Welcome to Wild and Exposed. Your number one adventure, nature, and outdoor photography podcast. Wild and Exposed is hosted by Michael Morrow, Ron Hayes, and Jason Lopez. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome to another episode of Wild and Exposed podcast. We've got fresh off the second Wild and Exposed bear tour, Michael Morrow coming back to us from Anchorage, Alaska. How's it Where going it's up nice there, and cool and rainy and just perfect fall weather already. Yeah. Now the next guy is going to contrast that weather report pretty severely, yeah. but Mike tried to one up him and tell him it was hotter in Anchorage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mike's just bragging. Let's just be real. <laughs> Jason coming to us from home, a hot, hot, hot Utah <laughs> at this point. Yeah. 107 today is what my thermostat on my car read. So that's, that's definitely a record for here. And we've been in a hot spill hundred and hundred plus for the last four or five days. So it's been unseasonably warm here as well, but we do have a, a cool spurt coming this weekend. And last weekend I made the decision to go on a different kind of adventure, but because it was so hot, I just didn't think that the elk would be as active for as long. So this weekend it's going to cool down. We're going to be in the fifties and highs of fifties and sixties. So I think it's going to be a great weekend. I, I anticipate that the cooler temperatures will get things rolling if they're not already. So you voluntarily got dragged out to do that. You did it. You didn't have somebody holding a gun to your head saying, <laughs> this is what we're doing this weekend. So here's the deal. <laughs> in in discussing bucket lists, without hesitation, Christy said, going skydiving. Without hesitation. And, and no so, guns were involved. No guns were involved with her, <laughs> for her. So the next day I called my son. I said, Hey, start looking some of these companies up. Cause he's the, he's the big experienced guy in our family. So he's got one jump under his belt. <laughs> <laughs> so I had him look some things up and he found the one with the best reviews. And so we settled on uh, skydive orange skies out of Fort Morgan, Colorado. They have one of those indoor facilities in the Denver area. And then they've got the actual, jump facility in Fort Morgan. And, you know, that was within striking distance. So I went down there and I was planning on taking pictures of her landing. That was the, uh, the big plan. <laughs> and then I started thinking, you know, after we had Kevin Andrews on the show talking about his big bear year, and he told us about his squirrel suit escapades and his, you know, the skydiving he did in the military. I thought, you know, this is one of those things. And I, I will admit that one of those stupid Facebook things that you have to list, you know, you get a point for each thing you haven't done. I only, there was only four things that I hadn't done. I had, I don't have tattoos. I've never been arrested. I don't remember what the third one was, but the fourth one was skydiving. And I thought, you know what? I'm here. 
I've lived a good life. <laughs> if, if I happen to bounce, I'll be okay. It, I, I've, I've had a good run. And well. so I decided to, <laughs> I decided to go and, uh, I had to deal with some, uh, weight limit issues, but they said, no problem. They just put me with the smallest instructor. So this guy was, he was from Mexico. He's got like 10,000 jumps. Daniel was his name. Dude was hilarious. He was a perfect guy to match me up with, but the whole time, you know, the, the company really did a good job of putting my mind at ease about the whole thing. And, and, uh, reassured me that it would be the best experience of my life. And I've got to say, it definitely ranks right up there with, I, I'm sorry, kids, if you're listening, but ranks right up there with, you know, the day my kids were born. No, Whoa. probably not that high, but <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty awesome. But I, I will well, say. What's so awesome about it? It is the most serene thing you've ever done in your life. You get up there and once that chute opens, I mean, when you're falling, it's just a huge rush and then uh once the chute opens it's just it's the most peaceful probably four or five minutes of life that i've had in the last 35 40 years it was just completely tranquil and you just i mean you're just floating down you don't feel any movement at all and it's dead dead quiet can't hear anything and you can just look down and see everything so, and so what was the landing like? The landing was unexpected. I kind of, you know, I kind of expected, uh, I at least used to be an athlete. So I thought we're going to, we're going to just run this puppy out. And uh, <laughs> Daniel was shorter than me and a lot lighter than me. And he said, he said, you, you're a strong guy. He said, you don't be no running. He said, you just put your feet up. He said, there'd be no carrying me around like a backpack. <laughs> <laughs> so we, uh, we get to the ground. He just said, pick your feet up. And basically we came in, he started kind of sliding, dragging his feet. And then I put mine down. We just kind of slowly came to a stop. I will say that that experience was much better than Christy. She's got a bruised tailbone because she just came straight down on the ground and pancaked. Ouch. But but it was it was awesome. Everything except everything was exactly the way he said it was going to be, except for the launch out of the plane. Because and and I've got the video, and you guys can look at this, and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. You'll see the the oh crap look on my face when this happened. But he said you're going to scoot out to the edge of the plane, and of course I was the last one on, so I'm the first one out, and. um so he said, you're going to scoot out to the edge of the plane. You're going to put your feet outside the plane and they're going to be hanging underneath the plane, basically just dangling. And I was like, okay, well, this is going to happen. So I'll listen to you. And I scooted out to the edge of the plane. My feet are dangling. Everything was just exactly the way he said it was going to be. And then that little sucker pushed me off the edge of the plane <laughs> he's still sitting there but i am completely dangling off the edge of the plane <laughs> you can see the change of expression on my face it went from okay let's go to 
what the hell? <laughs> you lied to me, Daniel. <laughs> Damn, Daniel. <laughs> so I'm hanging there and he, I'm looking down because I think we're going to go. And he reaches up because he told me, you know, always keep my head up. And he reaches up, grabs my forehead, pulls my head back. And then off we went, we bailed off and he, you're supposed to keep your hands on the straps until he tells you, you can let go. That went out the window. Cause I was all, I was all in, in the full arch position from every <laughs> parachuting video I've ever seen. <laughs> this is what you do. Yeah. <laughs> this is how you Hold do my it. Beer. This is, it's what's on TV. Right. And so then I remembered I'm supposed to be hanging on to the harness. So I, I went from having fun and being upside down because I screwed up the the flight plan. So I reached back in, grabbed my harness. He got us flattened out real quick, and then he gave me the pat. And then it was a whole bunch of yelling and high-fiving for about the next 30 seconds. And then he pulled the chute. And, uh, and then it was just That's crazy. smooth sailing. But there was no wind, uh, so it was it was pretty awesome. He did let me drive it for about not very long. <laughs> I had us going in some pretty tight circles, so he pulled me off of that pretty quick. That's enough. <laughs> but, you know, you can do, they, the instructors will film you with GoPros, um, and that's fairly reasonable. Of course, it's an add-on, but I paid for to have a another person out of the plane and coming in to get that third person. Cause I thought we could use it on, on YouTube, that kind of thing and get some good videos. So I paid a little bit extra for that and it wasn't, you know, it, it was great. She was like right in my face as we're diving. She came in and it's amazing the control those guys have because she came in pretty quick from the side and, uh, and then she just got right there and shut it down and stayed about, a foot in front of my face and filmed. So, hmm. but that perspective was, was pretty awesome to get that. So it, it was incredible. I'm, I'm down to do it again. And I, when we did that podcast with Kevin on the big bear year, I was, I think Jason and I both were like, yeah, I got no desire to do that. So there's no reason to even talk about it further. And then, right. Now I can't shut up about it. So. <laughs> so let me tell you, let me tell you a little quick story. So <laughs> over the, over the weekend, um, I was out of service. I was up in the mountains with some, my, with my son and my dad. And I, 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 I know, back, I know where this is going. <laughs> I, I come back into service and I'm looking, you know, that was my birthday over the weekend. And, so I, I had like, you know, a bunch of texts saying happy birthday, blah, blah, blah. And I'm going through them and trying to kind of respond back to people and stuff. And, and there's this one from Ron and it, and I open it and it's, it, it doesn't say happy birthday. It says, so I, I'm doing a thing. Um, not sure I'm going to make it. Um, if I don't live, here's some information of this and that and the other, and you'll just have to take it and run with it. Um, you know, wish me luck. <laughs> and then I had one right after it says I lived. <laughs> and I was like, I'm glad you're alive, man. What the heck did you do? You know? 
So we're did you, going. Did he give you his lenses, or at least? No, it was nothing that cool. It was just you know. Oh, it was pretty cool. I gave you a count. <laughs> no, it was cool. So it was, yeah, it was cool that way. Yeah. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> I was like, so Jason and I and, and a, a group of eleven other people are going to Svalbard, Norway next spring, and so I was like, yeah, you know if. That's going to ruin a lot of people's trip if I crash and burn, and then nobody knows what happened to all their money. So <laughs> I sent, I sent uh, the the operations manager at the bank, I sent her an, an email saying, hey, if I don't live through the weekend, there's going to be a guy named Jason Loftus that's going to give you a call, and you need to give this money to him. The rest goes to my kids. <laughs> He so. he looks like a big thug gangster, but trust me, he's he's legit. <laughs> so then it would have been the Ron Hayes Memorial's Fallbard right trip, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the Norwegian military would have Norwegian military parachute team would have come in and landed on the boat. And, yeah. <laughs> so Ron, good for you, buddy. I'm really happy for you. And I want to back up to that list real quick. Because I think there's a couple more of those we could get knocked off here in a couple weeks when we're together. Like the well, tattoo and being arrested. I think we can make those happen. <laughs> well, I I have no doubt. As, so <laughs> I've gotten I've gotten a lot grumpier as I've gotten older. And I'm pretty sure I could talk myself into handcuffs at some point. Right. I Especially if you come hang with me. Be, I, I always think, get in trouble. So. You know that. I mean, you and that one... Uh, park ranger on a first name basis so yeah we're buds i'm sure he'd hook me up <laughs> if i have the same hat on i'm just as hosed yeah <laughs> oh that's funny well i'm glad you did it too I, that was the first thing that popped up on my instagram when i opened it when i got back from the bear trip and it was that picture and i'm like i had to double take i'm like hold on what yeah, is somebody it? somebody got a hold of a green screen Cause ain't no way everyone yeah. went up there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was shocked. Is uh, the same thing, right? I know Ron and I both said, "Who would jump out of a perfectly good airplane?" You know, I, it's not in my list of things to do. Okay, at any point. and I will say that several people, including you know our good friend of the podcast Doug Gardner, said, "You know, why would you jump out of a perfectly good airplane?" I'm going to tell you, the airplane wasn't that good. No, <laughs> they give you a little incentive. Huh? Yeah, there there was no problem because I wasn't sure we were making the landing anyway. So, oh. <laughs> uh, that's great. No, it was an awesome experience. I would recommend anybody do it. The anyway. problem I have is I don't think they have a guy small enough to tandem jump with me. So, <laughs> I think we could get it done. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think that it'd have to be like a jockey, like a horse racing jockey. That's Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> so what do they have? Just like certain limits for the, um, yeah, the limit parachute? is on the, on the parachute itself. Yeah. So that's why, you know, if you're a bigger guy, you got to go with a smaller instructor and the, and it puts a lot of stress on them when you land also. So um, especially depending on the conditions, like if it's really windy, it's kind of like a big bird, you know, you, you land into the wind. So it's slowing you down as you come in. So if, if they try to land on their feet and they've got a heavier payload on the front, obviously it puts more stress on them. So they, 
you know, they have uh, limitations that way. But it was it was no big deal, and he was, you know, he was awesome. And so was, um, uh, and she's going to kill me if I ever see her again, but the girl that filmed it, Haley, Hannah, it was Hannah. She did, she did a great job and she hadn't been, you know, filming all that long. And obviously she was just using GoPro, but she used the Hero 10, which is, you know, the, the newest one. It's the one I got. And the hyper smooth for anybody that's thinking about taking one into the field with you, the hero 10 hyper smooth mode, which is honestly, it's like having the thing on a gimbal. It is so smooth. The footage is, is just unbelievable. So I would recommend everybody. I, we talk about it often, but I would recommend everybody to have GoPro in your bag. Um, I've got three of them now. One works sometimes because we used it on a commercial shoot last year and some fox filled it full of dirt several times um but when i can get the contacts clean the batteries work just fine and the thing still fires up but i would recommend that you have at least one in your bag and just take it with you everywhere you go because you never know when you're going to want some field footage or you're going to want to hook it to a tree and let a moose walk by or an elk or whatever but that hero 10 this all plays right into my pro tip oh nice just to keep people listening (laughs) yeah that that thing is dead smooth it's it's crazy mike you've been busy but but, hold on before we leave that so are we going to put that video in the show notes i mean we're going to put it up on youtube right yeah but if you go to the show notes you can click on it or i'll embed it right in the show notes so we can see this video of ron hanging on the edge of the airplane. airplane. Yeah. It was, uh, that part was unflattering. I'm just going to go out on a limb and say, (laughs) 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 and I'm not a hundred percent how they got the footage that they did of me hanging off the edge, but Mm. I wonder if they had something mounted on the plane. I, I don't know. I honestly don't know. It might've been her, um, her helmet, she might've been hanging off the edge a little bit. I did. I wasn't paying attention at that point. I was looking 10,000. Yeah, you probably had other me. things on your mind, <laughs> right? Like why the heck aren't we moving here? <laughs> but yeah, no, that was awesome. But before we get into Mike's trip, Jason, you just picked up a new piece of gear. I did. I don't know if you guys all remember uh, well, you will if, after this, but uh, we had a podcast with Joe Subolevsky, and he talked a little bit about uh, the R three and some of the some of the uh, capabilities that thing has. And I've you know I've thought a lot about whether I really wanted one or not, and I didn't get one right off the bat. I actually turned it away and decided not to do that and just have my R five. But um, decided to go ahead and give it a shot and try it based on some of the features and that that I was hearing about. And knowing that they're in high demand and I can, you know, if I'm not happy with it, I'm positive I can sell it and somebody else can get the benefit out of it. But I feel like it might get me kind of used to some of those additional features and hopefully, you know, some of the things there I one might bring to the table as well. So going to give it a shot, going to try the files out, going to see what I think about it. 
and uh, I'll get a chance to use it here during the elk rut. So looking forward to that. But so got some work to do on it. The eye, cal the eye tracking calibration and some of those little things are pretty new uh, to me. You know, those are features that aren't on the R5. And they've added quite a few different things in the autofocus um, menus that are new. Now they have an auto. I don't know if you know this, Ron. I think it's even on the R5 too, but they have an auto um, option under the autofocus tracking system. It seems to be working pretty well for different folks, which so just kind of senses what's going on and adjusts the settings that you can fine-tune based on the scenario and what you're doing. So a lot of guys are saying that's working really well for them. So anyways, we'll give that a shot and see how it goes. I'm looking forward to, you know, giving it a run. It's important for people to know that, you know, even though it's got the the eye focus or eye follow calibration and it's not just focusing on the animal's eye that's not what we're talking about we're talking about when your eye is looking through the viewfinder it focuses where your eye is looking and it's important for people to know that that's not something that just happens out of the box so don't think you can just pick up this camera and go out and you're going to have that capability you've you've got to do the calibration and that's what jason was talking about right right and apparently you've got to calibrate it in multiple different light settings and, you know, some different scenarios. So it's not just a quick one either. I think it takes a bit to teach it what your eyes looking at. So, mm -hmm. but then I hear it's amazing once you get it set up. So, so, you know, that. they've had that technology for a long time because they had yeah. it in the film camera. They way had back it in the film camera. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And it was Canon that had it, wasn't it? I yeah. Was, right. I think it was it the EOS three. Yeah, so they're they're bringing it back, and everybody I've well, not everybody, but a lot of the reviews and that thing that I'm hearing is that that seems to be one of the not just like going mirrorless, right? But this kind of tracking system seems to be something that will probably catch on and be something that a lot of the cameras that are coming to the table bring with them. So, well, you'll have a bigger and better report on it after the fall, right? Yes, yeah, I should be able to after you know we get through some elk rut stuff. Um, I plan on using it pretty heavily during that time, so. I'll let you. I'll let you. I'll let everybody know. Give everybody an update on how I feel like it's working after that. Mike, you just came back from a big trip, and it sounds like a pretty amazing trip. Yeah, it ended up being spectacular. I mean, <clears throat> you never know because you're relying on the fish runs, right? So you just don't know what it's going to be like when you go there. But you hear little reports here and there, so we knew it was going to be somewhat good. But then you're also dealing with weather, and this summer in Alaska has been super weathery tons of rain i think anchorage got more rain in august than they've ever had for the whole month since they started keeping records so kind of crazy but we got out there and had some i mean it wasn't perfect but you don't want perfect right we all talk about that where you do want a little attitude and you do want some a little bit of everything if you can get it but boy we lucked into all kinds of good shooting situations and i can't remember the name of all the bays that we stopped in but you stopped you basically went, we left Homer, you cruise across the Cook Inlet, and then we did have to stop short initially because there was weather. And you really, you're in the the hands of the boat captain, right? He's just going to say, yep, let's do this, or no, we need to, you know, find a little safe harbor and wait this uh, next storm out. Or, you know, part of it is because you just don't want everybody on the boat sick. I mean, the boat could do it, but I know that Drew was on a trip and I think he actually talked about it on a podcast. I don't know, a couple podcasts ago, but they had, I don't know, eight or nine people on that boat. And I think eight of them were sick 
because of just seasickness and it was just huge seas. And, you know, if you can not do that now, it did prolong it. We didn't get to our actual shooting spot until, I don't know, an extra six hours longer or something, but, and we stopped at one spot, which had the potential for bears, but wasn't going to be that great. But we stopped there mostly just to wait out the weather. And we did see some, some bears and we got some stuff and everybody got their fix, right? Cause you know, the minute you can, somebody can start taking a picture of a bear, I think you're, you're relieved, right? Cause you at least got something on your camera and something we've seen some bears, but it was nothing compared to what we got when we actually found the fishing bears because we were shooting at, I don't know, 50 yards, 75 yards with that first spot which is awesome. It's still, I mean, most people would be like, that is perfect. And that's what everybody on the trip was super excited. But then when we got down to one of those first bays and we got in there and then you get set up and you figure out, yep, there's fish. Yeah. Let's go take a little exploratory and see where it's at. And we go find a spot on a river where it would uh, bend, where the fish would collect, you know, some deeper spots. And then basically just set up there and then the bears start rolling in and then they start fishing and we might be 25, 30, 40 yards away, but as these bears are fishing, they come, they're following the fish, right? They're chasing the fish or not even chasing them, but just moving the fish in like little waves, either forward or backward or whatever. And before it's all said and done, these bears are 10 yards away. And the first time these people saw a bear like 10 yards away, and the bear is not even thinking about us. That bear is 100% focused on those fish. Everybody's eyes were the size of silver dollars. It was amazing. It was, it was super cool just to see everybody's reaction and see everybody's thought process. And I'm on one side, and then Dave, the guide, we're on each side. So we're watching for bears coming in from other directions, but all the action's right in front of us. So I wasn't even shooting anything. I was just watching people. And after that's all over, everybody just like looks up at us with, like I said, the big silver dollar eye thing. And they're like, holy moly. So it was, it was super <laughs> cool. Super cool. Super fun trip. Tons of clear water, which was awesome. I hadn't been to any of these places. I've been further south than this and further north than this, this but I've never been to these actual bays. And the water was really clear, which is really cool, right? Because you can see all the fish. You can see them swimming or fishing. You can see their feet in the water, just all kinds of good stuff. I do have a bunch of pictures from a lot of the participants. So I'll put those on the show notes so you can see some of those. There was a lot of spectacular images that came out. So for sure. one of the things on the couple of videos that you sent us, you know, just that you took with your iPhone, you could tell you were you were pretty close to the ocean because a lot of those fish didn't have any color yet. They were, they were still dark. And, uh, but you know, talking about the water clarity, usually you can see them because the, because of the color, but the water was so clear and the video clips that you sent that, I mean, you could see the fish, no problem, even though they, you know, they hadn't been in freshwater that long. You know, these areas are all dependent on tides for sure. So we are right next to the ocean. So some areas you want to go in at high tide and then wait, you know, right at high tide, you get in, it's easy to get in because the Zodiac can get you really close to where you're actually going. And then you photograph as it's moving to low tide. 
because at low tide that water just goes out so these fish get collected in these big old pools but in other places that we went to it's better at high tide mm-hmm. so you just kind of figure it out based on the place but yeah you're super close to the water and or the ocean and that you do get really pretty dime bright fish. There were some fish that were turning colors, but for the most part, they were, it was amazing. It was so amazing just to see these, these bears. And I'd been photographing black bears earlier prior to this. And um, those black bears, they catch these fish and all they want are the eggs. These brown bears, all they want is the whole dang fish. They just start. And we went to a couple of places where all they would eat is they would start at the tail and they would eat all the way through the fish. Other places they would start at the head and eat all the way down. So it's kind of interesting. I don't know <clears throat> if there's any rhyme or reason to any of that, but it's interesting how different bears do it in different places. Mm-hmm. So we got a chance to see a couple of um, sows that had cubs of the year, which was kind of cool. We had a place where... We had a sow with two-year-old cubs. We saw all kinds of stuff, a couple of big males. So it was pretty much nonstop action the whole time. Just an amazing trip. And we're, th- we're talking about doing this again next year, only we'll do more trips. So I'm thinking we'll do probably three in the spring and four in the fall. Or not the fall, the Alaska fall, which would be late August through middle of september something like that so save save your pennies boys and girls because that's the that's the epitome of an adventure wildlife photography trip and what we talked about folks. doing and i want to hear from our listeners just to see if there would be any interest in this because if there is we'll set it up if not then no big deal but i thought wouldn't it be cool to do a longer trip so not just do i think we were filming for five days Maybe it was six days. I can't remember what it was. Let's just say it was five days. How cool would it be to go out there for 10 days and do a video only? So then we teach people how to go, how to shoot, but then start building these sequences. And then if you had 10 days, you could spend a couple of days just getting all your initial shots. Come back to the boat, start putting those together in some sort of sequence, and we'll just talk it over and figure out what's working for people and what's not working. But what happens with that is if you have a couple of days to see what you've shot and start building a sequence, you know where the gaps are, right? So then you have a day where you're kind of off the water working on that. Then you go back out for a couple more days and you know your gaps, right? You know what you're missing. So was it wides? Is it tights? Is it underwater? All this other B-roll that you need to tell that story, then we can go out, and get all that and then bring that back. And I was thinking the underwater stuff, I did some underwater stuff when we were there, but it's too hard to get a whole group of people to go do underwater stuff. Cause it's just not safe to be spread out all across the river. And you got to have them pretty far apart. Cause you can't be just throwing GoPros in the water every 50 yards. Cause there'd be people spread out and you know, you don't want to affect the bears that way. So maybe what we'd do is just have one GoPro show everybody how to deploy it and maybe we could have different people deploy that one GoPro and then everybody share that footage. So they have that underwater Mm -hmm. footage to help tell that part of the story. But I was thinking it would be cool then to have fill those gaps. Then we could come back to the boat, build that a little bit more. Hopefully everybody could walk out of like a 10 day shoot with a whole sequence of their own other than like the underwater stuff. But then what we could do is we could collectively put together a piece where we share everybody's footage 
and say you ended up with a four or five, six minute thing, then we could enter that into a, a film competition somewhere mm-hmm. as a, a tour or something. So it's just a thought that started rolling through my head and it would be a little bit longer trip, which means it'd be a little bit more expensive, but there'd be a lot of instruction. There'd be a lot of like tutorial kind of stuff. Awesome chances with the bears. Obviously the subjects are going to be wonderful. So let us know if that's something that you're interested in because we'll put it together if it is something that the the listeners want. And we're focusing on bears on a trip like that, but you can apply the same techniques, thoughts, all that to any species that you have. I mean, you could apply it to swift fox, grouse, bighorn sheep, elk, moose, whatever. So it's yeah. A, once it's you a, learn just a learning opportunity, once you learn what what's needed, then yeah, you could apply it to anything. And I would just basically just teach you how I shoot when I'm shooting for the BBC or when I'm shooting for any one of the channels that I'm shooting for, it's it's what I would do when I'm out there trying to get that footage anyways. So it could be kind of a cool opportunity. I did shoot a lot of video on this trip. <clears throat> you know, I didn't do it every day, and I didn't shoot like if it was super rainy just because it's hard to protect those cameras, but I did shoot quite a bit of video, and it was tons of fun. Just because the, the cool thing about the bears and the way the reason I think it would work with bears and not necessarily some of the other wildlife that we shoot is it's always action, right? There's always bears. So it's not like you're like, Oh, I hope we see a bear today. You're guaranteed going to see bears. It's just then making sure you get the right footage of those bears that we are seeing. But most of the people on this trip, let's see, there was one guy from Colorado that was shooting a lot of video. Most everybody else was shooting stills, but everybody did shoot some video occasionally just because it's like, so, you know, easy to do nowadays. You can just mm-hmm. hit your DSLR and put it in video mode, shoot some video and, and get on with it. So let us know. It'd be like a 10 day instead of a five day and lots of instruction. We have, we could have set up on the boat for building and you'd probably all have to bring your own computers just cause I wouldn't have enough computers for everybody, but bring your computer with a, some sort of editing software and we'll go from there. You could even not even teach them how to make some TikTok reels, and <laughs> well, we need to bring you for that. <laughs> oh no, <I'm> me. <laughs> or Did we you? need to hire a twenty-year-old. Maybe we could all bring old uh, Isaac <laughs> yeah, with us go. on that yeah. because I am not Mister uh, TikTok. I have no clue. I try to do that stuff, and I never post. I don't even have a TikTok account. But I'm like, okay, maybe this would be cool on TikTok, and I'll shoot it. And I'm like, well, that's really dumb. Yeah. It doesn't I don't matter. Doing. It does not matter. <laughs> the the thing you got to be careful about too, and we talked about this a lot on the boat, was you do get in situations where you're pretty close to bears. You're not in any danger. The bear's not in any danger. But you really got to protect how you're putting this out because while we all know that nothing is in danger, Somebody watching it in France or somebody watching it in Australia will have no clue at all. And they'll think you're some sort of a nut job or they'll think that or, you're putting these, these bears into some sort of situation where they shouldn't have to be put in. And, right. and in reality, it's not. I mean, it's all, of, of course, the bears always come first. So if there's any inclination of anything happening, we're not going to do it. But the way this all works and the way these bears have been so habituated towards people 
and it's not necessarily towards people. It's just towards how they've lived for over the years. They all have to be habituated, whether it's another bear or a person, they're just used to that close contact because there's bears everywhere and you don't see a ton of fighting. Well, you see some of it, but it's just more growling and Hey, get out of my fishing spot. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, it's a very safe environment for the bears and for the people. And you just can't misconstrue it by throwing out some random video that makes it look like it's way too close. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a, that's a good pro tip right there, Mike, just for anybody in general doing any kind of video stuff on any of your TikToks or reels of any of the wildlife you're shooting, right? I mean, it should be, we all need to be careful about that and how, how it might look and present itself because you know, some with the way those cameras can show in a lot of scenarios, it looks like you're way closer than you are sometimes. And, you know, and that same kind of situation could arise from just about any situation. Right. So, yeah, I'm actually working on a documentary right now, just on my own about moose and this guy that I know up here, who's totally into moose. Actually, we've had him on the podcast, moose man. And I was shooting him the other day and he's right next to this big, bull not he's not i mean the footage makes it look like he's right next to it right because i was compressed i was shooting a 600 it makes him look like he's standing right next to this bull when in fact he's 25 yards away but just that perspective changes so much i'm i was thinking man that's such a cool shot but we have to be very very careful how we use it you guys got into some other wildlife on this trip oh yeah and with some crazy backgrounds yeah we well, first of all, going down before we ever got to the bears, um, Dave, the guy who is the guide, the main guide and who we set up all these trips through, he's like, you know, we've been on this boat for a long time. Why don't we try to stop on our way down? Not stop, but slow down in the water. There's a rock or um, a big kind of rocky island where the sea lions haul out on. So he's like, hey, let's just go really slow by this island and see if we can't get some cool sea lion stuff and we did it was pretty cool stuff where we could get all kinds of sea lions you know whether they're in the water or up on rocks and you know they're so loud and they're just obnoxious and (laughs) you could hear it all it was kind of cool so that was one of them and then we went a little bit uh so with our first stop we got into a place and we got into some wolves actually we stopped at that place twice so it was on our way back we stopped because we had to we were waiting on tides. It's so, so interesting how getting in and out and you're relying on weather. You're also relying on the captain mm-hmm. um, to make sure that he's getting us to the places the safest and the quickest, right? Well, a lot of times you end up waiting for tides. Like he wants to, when the, when the tides are high, he wants to go out into the ocean when the tides are high from, from wherever you're docked because then you can ride that wave or that tide out with as the tide's going out so on our way back we were in one of those situations where we're waiting and we stopped and there was a chance for bears and we did see a couple bears but we got to this spot and i'm scoping out and i knew that there were wolves there but you know i it's probably a 30 percent chance that you're going to see a wolf Mm -hmm. so we walk out there and i'm looking at all these log jams that are all logs that have been pushed up by the ocean and i look at I'm like, yeah, that looks like a coyote. <laughs> so I'm looking at it. looks like it has four legs. And I put my binoculars up and is there a wolf just sitting there looking at us? So that was a pretty cool, pretty cool experience. And we were able to, I don't know, I think we were 
maybe 300 yards away and then we closed it to maybe 100 yards mm-hmm. and the wolves just sat there and we were able to get some pretty cool backgrounds. Yeah, you just sent that one picture, but it looked like a crazy opportunity. Yeah, and there were two of them. There was one that we saw initially and then another one popped up. So we had an opportunity to shoot both wolves once, but for the most part, it was just single wolves against mm-hmm. this really cool mountain backdrop. That's great. Well, it sounds like you provided all the opportunities your groups could have hoped for on both of those. Oh, I think actually. I heard a couple of times that people were bared out. They had shot so many pictures of bears were like, I don't know if I could do another bear picture, but I think they could. But, but, you know. To keep that in mind, I mean, some people can afford to do this every year, but those are probably fewer than the person that has to save up for an entire lifetime. So on those seven days, you want to maximize the opportunity, get as many images as you can, because you don't know when you're going to be able to go back up and do it again. And I think, you know, those are the people that, those once in a lifetime opportunities. Those are the people that I enjoy. Not that I don't enjoy the company of, you know, the person that does these trips every year, but I think they appreciate it a lot more sometimes than, than people that have done it before, maybe done it in a different area and kind of take it for granted because they know what to expect. And I right. think the, the people that can, you know, if you can save your pennies and, and do this once, this is the, this is the kind of trip you want to do because you're going to get that maximum opportunity. Yeah. There was a couple of situations or a couple of times where half the group wanted to go back to the boat. The other half was like, no, I don't want to leave at all. And we would work it out. We would just get the other half to the boat. You know, we, I would Mm -hmm. stay with the people that wanted to stay. Dave would take the people to the boat and then Dave would come back. Once we got him to the Zodiac, which would get him to the boat, they were safe in in the hands of the boat crew. So they would take them back. Those guys could go back and start downloading and they could get something to eat. They could warm up, whatever the situation was. But we, anybody that wanted to stay out, we stayed out. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of opportunity to maximize the amount of time we have anytime. Yeah, for sure. So just to reiterate, I think we're going to do three trips in the spring, which is cool for, it's different. It's not fishing bears. So you're dealing more with the sedge grass. You're dealing more with cubs possible cubs um you're also dealing with big males where you can get some of those yeah. epic fights between the males because it is mating season and breeding season yep yeah so you have that those three and then you can also see tons of bears right you can get to this couple of places where there's just bears everywhere and then there's the fall which would be or late august into september which would be fish and bears and then the boat thing's pretty cool and the other thing we'll do is the two trips we did this year, we left out of Homer. So you get on the boat in Homer, you go to the spot and then come back to Homer. So everybody comes in and out of Homer and you ride the boat over and back. But if we do some trips that are back to back to back next year, or when we do those trips, the first crew out, will go out with the boat or the first group out, will go out with the boat, but then you'll be picked up by a plane. When the second group comes in, they'll get off the plane then the first group will get on the plane and fly back to Homer. So that way we can keep that boat out there for like three weeks straight, not worry about having to use all the fuel to go on back and forth. And we'd be able to maximize the time that we're out there um, shooting. And basically when you get to the boat, depending on t- that'll all depend on tides or whatever, you'll be shooting the day you show up. 
yeah, that's, that's exciting. And I'm looking forward to being able to get on those trips with, like I said, with folks that have never seen it. And then with folks that have never seen that particular area that, you know, may have been elsewhere. And we'll switch it up. So it'll be all three of us or four of us, Drew included too, because Drew will be back next summer. But one of us will be on each one of those trips. Awesome. Should be fun. And we've got some other opportunities coming up. But Jason, go ahead. I was just going to say, so back to Mike's point, make sure if you you all are interested in that, please reach out to us. DM us, let us know the interest on both the options on any of the bear trips and or the video trip that Mike mentioned too. So we have an idea of how many we want to be able to offer. Yeah, and one other thing is kind of a downer, but it has to happen, is the cost is going to go up just a little bit next year because everybody knows the gas prices went up. When the captain gave us the price for this year, he gave it to us before the gas ever went up, so we had a pretty decent price. Hmm. Now he's paying much higher fuel prices, so it is going to go up a little bit to cover that. But I was talking to some of the fishing guides here in Alaska, and a lot of those guys got charged this year. They had a fuel surcharge on top of, you know, they'd already paid for their old trip and then they show up and they're like, Oh, we're going to add on a fuel surcharge. Yep. But Jeff, the boat captain did not do that. He's you know, like, I I'm holding to the price that we had. So for next year, it'll raise a little bit, but that's just to cover the fuel. Everything else will stay the same. So talking about other opportunities, if so, our, our sponsor precision camera, is doing a workshop down in Austin. It will be at the Anderson Lane location in Austin, Texas, November 11th and 12th. Uh, Jason and I for sure will be down there and we'll be presenting um, at least for an hour on both days and then we'll be around to to visit with folks and, and kind of get to meet as many people as we can. And then... Um, you know, possibly depending on his schedule, Mike might be able to come down with us. We're not a hundred percent on that yet, but there will be at least two of us down there at the Austin, Texas, Anderson lane location of precision camera on November 11th and 12th. So if you can make it, we'd sure enjoy meeting you getting a chance to visit with folks. And then of course we'd have a little bit opportunity to present as well. So that's one of those other opportunities. And then, Hey, know, while we're talking about precision, we should talk about their current 50 um, off 500. Yeah. You want to do it and give us no, because <laughs> <laughs> give us the, the discount code, Mike. It's so just 50 off of 500. So if you in the coupon code, when you go buy something, just type in 50 off 500, five zero O F F five zero zero. And if you put that in, you're going to get the, the 50 bucks off, but you have to spend 500, right? So any, any purchase 500 or more, you're going to get save 50 bucks. Yeah. Yep. If you put 500 off of 5,000, you're still going to get 50 <laughs> off of 500, 500. Well, actually, you won't, actually, you won't get anything if you right. do that. So don't, don't, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> and I'm that's going to be fun. And I'm glad we, you had it. We had it correct on the last podcast when you were in the field. Am I? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's going to be a fun opportunity. Hopefully we can meet a bunch of the listeners and 
well, share I look, some stories. Yeah, and, and I look forward to getting down and, and visiting multiple locations. They've got multiple locations in Austin itself. So looking forward to getting down and seeing both locations in Austin. And Well, I and, think it's... Uh, I think they just have one in Austin, but they have one in Houston. No, there's two. There's two there's in Austin. There's two in Austin? Mm-hmm. That's why, yeah, Mike wanted me to make sure we said it was going to be at the Anderson Lane location. Oh, and they'll cool. have, we'll have more information that we'll put on the Wild and Exposed webpage and we'll put it up on the um, Instagram page as well. And I've been to that store. It's super cool. It's a really nice store. Lots of stuff. Lots of toys. Jason and probably so have to take an your extra, money. yeah, 50 <laughs> grand or so. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you have got, you guys have got me painted as something I am not even close to. <laughs> no, but yeah, that, I I'm looking forward to that as well. It sounds like a great time and good opportunity to meet a bunch of new people. So, pro tips: we have not done pro tips <laughs> in quite a while. What, what, so, what's a pro tip? Yeah, what is a pro tip? Yeah, exactly. What, what is a pro it's, tip? It's been that long. It has been a minute. So we've got some pro tips tonight to throw out as you get ready for your your fall endeavors and moving into winter as well. So Mike, you're you're fresh off the boat, literally. So why don't you go ahead and go first? Oh, we're gonna start. Man, you're gonna have to tell me if I talked about this one on the Arctic podcast, but it was something we used in the Arctic and I learned about it there and I was like, Man, this is kinda cool. So it pertains to the GoPros we were talking about earlier. There is, and I didn't know this, and I'd heard about it, and I'm like, no, nah, that can't be. Or I'm not sure that it's related to GoPro. It's probably some third-party software out there. But it's run by GoPro. There's this thing called, what do they actually call it? The inside line. So if you, I'll put a link in the show notes to all this stuff. But they put beta software that's created by GoPro. It may not be as popular as something that everybody would want to use. So it's not put on every camera, but they have different kinds of software in here or firmware that you can put onto your GoPro and it makes it do different things. The one that I found that would work for all of us wildlife people is you can turn your GoPro into a trail camera or a camera trap. Did I talk about that? You did not. You guys remember? And I've been saying that they need to do that. So I'm anxious to hear. Well, and it's been around for a couple of years and I didn't even know. So what you can do is load the firmware. It's super easy. You just download it. And then basically you put it on one of the little cards that we would put in the GoPro. It's just like we do when we update the firmware on our DSLRs. Mm -hmm. But this particular software, I think they call it QR control. And the cool thing is, is you get an app. So with this app, you can go in and set all the parameters for whatever you're trying to do. And it does all kinds of stuff. This particular uh, piece of software you can do motion, you can do time-lapse, you can do, I don't know, there's three or four things. But you get all the protune controls. And what I was using it for was motion, right? We wanted to try to capture caribou or uh, bears or whatever with a GoPro as a trail camera. So it would turn it on, only it would trigger it, or it would turn it on and then trigger the camera when it saw something and you're, you know, you think about some of these little camera traps or trail cameras that you can buy at the store. They all have some sort of motion sensor, right? Mm -hmm. Well, they must've figured it out with the GoPro itself, how that works. I have no idea. Cause I don't know that they have any sort of infrared built into the camera, but maybe they do. 
but you basically go into this app, dial it all in, put all your settings in, and it produces a QR code and you have the camera on once you've downloaded that firmware and put it on the camera. When the camera's on, you just show it this QR code and it basically does all your settings. So for like motion or when I want to use it as a camera trap, I could go in and set exposure, everything I wanted to set. And then I could also set the sensitivity. So if you got it in a field with a bunch of blowing vegetation, that camera does not, you know, if you set the sensitivity down around three or whatever, it's not going off every time a branch moves or a piece of grass moves. It only goes off when it has a lot of motion going through like an animal or something. So it was really effective and I got a lot of stuff with foxes. I got a lot of stuff with bears and um, it's a little bitty footprint, you know, cause you just have the GoPro. Now what I did do with that is I did run an external battery cause you figure right. if you're you running a GoPro, to. you're only yeah. going to get like an hour. Right. So if you do that, it kind of sucks cause you have to take off the door, you know, the one door where the, the Not battery anymore. Now they have the battery plug opening in the door well, you can buy an true. extra door yeah you could buy the extra door and have that so it's not 100 waterproof it's not like you could put it in the water but it you can plug it in and then i what i was doing especially like around foxes mm-hmm. is i ended up i had a mount that i could stick into the sand really deep so that the foxes wouldn't chew on it and drag it out but what i also found was it was best to take that cable out of the camera and i would dig a hole and I'd put the battery in a Ziploc bag and then I'd put everything bury underground it. and then cover, bury it. And when I did that, I had no problems with the animals messing with it. You know what I did? You don't want to know what I did. And <laughs> I would not recommend that you do it this way. The Ziploc is a lot safer, but I just took uh, gaffer's tape and taped everything up, sealed it all up tight. And then I put one more all the way around. So I, you know, where all the inputs are, that end was sealed up with tape. And then mm-hmm. I buried that. Um, yeah, that would work too. It's just a little dirtier. It, it's a lot dirtier because the gaffer's tape holds all the dust too. So yeah, the Ziploc is a really good idea and I would recommend <laughs> everyone. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't have to bury it super deep. You know, I was just, you know, I just had a, like a little, uh, what do you call it? A little shovel that, that you would use in gardening. Mm-hmm. And then just took that out with me and I dig a little hole and bury everything. And all that's really showing is your camera. Now I will tell you animals detect that camera, like boom, they come around the corner and they know that camera's there. But like yeah. on a Fox den, they got really used to it really fast. At first those, they, they'd come out of a den or whatever and boom, their eyes would go right to that camera. Mm-hmm. But after it was there for three or four days, they were just like, oh, it's just part of the environment. And then I was starting to get some really cool stuff. But to be able to do that with the GoPro, the thing about this cool is you can go out and buy a trail camera, but quality is not always great. A lot of times they put graphics on those. You know, people are using those just for general information type stuff. With the GoPro, mm-hmm. you're getting, what is it, 5.5K footage. Yeah. You can set half, all yeah. the Pro Tunes, so you can set all your settings, so you get the best quality footage possible with the GoPro and actually get capture that motion and you can set it for whatever length. And then what you can do is like on my bigger camera traps, my pro camera traps, the ones where I actually put a DSLR in it, I can set those up so that if the infrared or whatever the, the sensor is, if it's detecting that there's motion constantly going, it just resets it. So every 15 seconds it's resetting it 
and it just keeps the camera rolling. And you can do that same thing with this GoPro software, which is kind of cool. Talk about pulling a rabbit out of the hat because full, di full disclosure, <laughs> Mike, Mike, who's usually got pro tips to spare was scrambling to find one. And no, we had definitely not talked about this. And that's, that's an amazing feature because that's what you want to use Go GoPros for when you're using them for wildlife is in that camera trap type situation. And to hear that we've got that capability now, that's, that's a game changer. For sure. Yeah. And one other little tip that I, you know, I said we had this little mount that I could like stab down into the, the sand or the dirt that was by the den. So this guy had made, and I don't know where they came from or who even came up with the idea. And it's not rocket science. Anybody could think of this, but I didn't think of it until I saw it. And I was like, that's brilliant. They basically just took a big old spike, you know, something like you'd drive into a big timber or something. They're just basically a huge nail, might be a foot and a half long. Then on the end of it, they welded a quarter inch uh, bolt. Quarter 20 bolt. Yep. They had one going straight up, they had one going out, and then they also had a three-eighths inch. So if you wanted to mount a ball head and then mount the camera on the ball head, and that was the perfect mount. I took a picture of it, so I'll put that in the show notes so you can kind of get an idea. If I'm not, if my explanation sucks, just go to the show notes and you can look at this picture. But that was the best thing we could have had for mounting those. It's so minimalistic. Solid it's not like you're adding yeah. all kinds of stuff. Yeah, it's just you stab it in the ground and it's stuck and it's nice and, and tight in the ground and then all you have really shown is just the camera, which is kind of cool. Awesome. Good pro tip. Holy cow. Now I feel like a schmuck. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm rethinking mine. We're like, Oh crap. <laughs> it was well... total luck. <laughs> Jason. Okay. I've got one. It's kind of a lame one now. Sorry guys. <laughs> uh... Yeah. Mine too. <laughs> And then I actually have a thought I just want to share with everybody too. And it's actually kind of a pro tip as well. So I might have two actually. But the first one is, I don't know if you guys have heard of Dot Card, D-O-T Card. Um, it's essentially, Mike brought this up, it's a lot like Linktree, I think, where it's essentially a, a landing page for your personal information or your or your business information for photography, for example. A lot of us you know, carry business cards in the field and it gives folks an opportunity to get to know where your Instagram is or whatever. The cool thing about this is with this landing page, you can literally, you can stick a little card, a little dot to the back of your phone and you can very quickly share that just by tapping somebody's phone with them. And it takes them right to your dot landing page. Um, and then it has all your information, your Venmo, your PayPal, your, your Instagram, your Facebook, everything you can, your website, whatever you, you want to share on there. It has all that information for them and they're actually direct links, you know, your phone number, your email, and they can just click on that and access, you know, whatever information they're looking for from you. So that's kind of a cool thing. They have different, you know, types of bundles and so on that you can have. Uh, Dan Lindhart is the one that shared that with me. And uh, I'm looking at doing it. I haven't done it yet, to be honest with you, but it looks like a pretty slick little way to, you know, share information with folks in the field and not have to carry. You always have your phone on you. You know, it's hard. A lot of us forget to carry our cards with us. And then when you want to give one out, you know, you don't have them with you. So that that's my that's my pro tip. Another thought I had is I just seen recently hey, one a good of, friend one of ours. One at a time. Hey, listen, <laughs> this is a twofer. <laughs> the, a, good, a good friend of ours 
um, really, I got a really nice animal on video and, and some photos. And they shared it right away, right? And what that does, right, is that drives interest, people reaching out, wanting to know where it's at, what, you know, hey, you tell me where that's at, I want to come photograph that, blah, 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 blah. We've talked about sharing locations before, and, you know, I'm I'm done preaching with, about the location thing. Whoever wants to share locations can share locations. Just know that doing that actually, and this is going to be somewhat controversial, but I just need to share my mind and then I'll be done. But, you know, it actually can cause problems, and it can lead to things like um, things being shut down because of too much pressure and things like that. So you do whatever you feel is best. But one one food for thought, one item for food for thought is maybe if you come across something like that, get your photos, get your video, hold on to it. Don't post it right away and enjoy that opportunity. And then when things are done and the season's over, so to speak, then share the heck out of it because now it's done. That animal may not be around the next year. The animal may die. The animal, who knows? Once the animal sheds, you know, the, who knows what their animal config or their antler configuration is going to look like. But that might be a better way <laughs> to approach situations like that is just, you know, enjoy it. You know, you found that. Don't have to be the first one on the Internet to share it with everybody. You know, I, I would just question why. What's the point of that? Um, so there, I'm, I'm, I'll get off my soapbox, but just some food for thought for everybody that does this. Um, this this is getting more and more competitive as far as the amount of people that are doing this, which is awesome. But at the same time, that creates a lot more pressure on these places that we all like to go and share. And uh, that's driving a lot of uh, negativity in a lot of ways. So some food for thought. I agree 100% with that. Yeah, 100%. It's just hold on to it for two weeks. Sometimes, you know, a month is yep. all you got to hold on to it. And everybody's still going to like it just as much in a month. You know, and if you get on a, some sort of a track where you're holding stuff for a month, you're always going to have new stuff. It's just maybe those first 30 days that you have to not have. Just go into your archives and pull some old stuff for those 30 days and then start putting stuff out. But it will leave a lot of pressure on animals or wildlife or locations. And it will also keep it so that it doesn't get shut down. Right, right. Yeah, you think about the time of year that, we're taking these pictures, especially if you're talking about like the deer rut, it's, it's late. They're moving into the toughest time of year for survival. So they've, they're expending all that energy throughout the rut and then to put additional pressure on them in the winter time with additional numbers of, of folks pushing these animals around, it stresses them out quite a bit. So, and, bugs you know, that's are, one thing we did on the bear trip was, if we got in a situation where we had bears coming up fishing and there was like a mama with cubs and she just would not leave that spot, a lot of times we'd move the whole group. We'd just leave because if she's going to rely on that spot so much and she's got two little cubs, it just was worth more to let her just have it and not have to, you know, she did pay attention to us because she's got two cubs, right? Mm -hmm. So after, you know, if she just stays there for two or three hours, you know, after 30 minutes, we're like, you know what, let's just go find another spot, another bear or move down the river 75 yards and just let her have that spot without having to always be looking over her shoulder. It's like, hey, is this person going to mm -hmm. grab one of my cubs or is this cubs being distracted by these people? And then you got another bear coming in. 
you know, it's just, you got to just always put the wildlife first. Yeah. Well, and maybe that's the key, right? Mike is, is we're thinking about putting the wildlife first, then we should always be trying to do what's best for them. And that includes maybe some of the things I just mentioned, you know, it helps give them their space. It helps keep it. So they're not getting all the pressure. So, yep. That's my thoughts. <laughs> I like it. I do too. And agree. Uh, mine now sounds even lamer than it would have after Mike's. <laughs> <laughs> so we are all, you know, megafauna people and we're moving into now the, the highlight of the year, which is, you know, the fall rut, no matter the species you got pronghorn going on or getting started right now, elk going right now you've got deer and and then sheep that'll be coming up sheep and goats in the as we move into november december so we're getting ready for our busiest season my pro tip is to make sure before you get started during that busy season and this is probably about two three weeks late you know my vehicle transitions into a a mobile camper and because I'm too cheap to buy a sprinter van. So I throw a smaller mattress in my vehicle and then all my gear is going to be fitting in there as well. But my pro tip is this. So at the beginning of your busy season and then at the end of your busy season, make sure you're going through checking your gear, making sure everything's functional before you start. Make sure you've got your cards clean. Make sure you've got your firmware updated. Make sure you've got all this stuff done so that when you hit the field, you're just ready to go. When you pop open the card carrier, you don't have to wonder what's on each card. They're, everything's downloaded, cleared, formatted, and ready to go. And that's going to save you a lot of time and, and concern in the field. And it just makes you more responsive as well. You, you know, knowing that your your gear is in a, a condition that it's ready to go. So that, yeah, it's not as exciting as one. the last couple, but I think it's something that we all need to remember. And then, you know, in the spring as well, you've got, that's another busy season for me um, with all the denning seasons and as well as, the, you know, grouse lecking season. So I go through, make sure everything's cleaned up from the winter, ready to go. I also, the other thing is, is I transition my my clothing. So in the springtime, you know, the biggest thing is, is getting wet. So I'd make sure my rain gear is in the, in the vehicle. I don't normally have to worry about temperatures. So I've got my winter bag that I carry all my winter stuff, my cold weather gear and a little bit of food that's always in, in the winter time, springtime, I've got my rain gear, a little bit of food, a little bit of water. And then as we move into the fall, you know, it's just a different clothing, dry socks in case I dry socks and an extra pair of boots in case I end up, you know, going through a river or something to try to stay with an animal to get a shot. Um, not chasing them through a river, get ahead, make sure you cross and safely pay attention to that. Uh, we just had, you know, Dawn was just sharing about her uh, river accident as well. So it's, it's a safety concern, so make sure you've always got dry clothes, dry boots, dry socks, and 
even in the summertime, a way to start a fire if it's legal to kind of warm things back up because you can get hypothermic even, you know, in 80, 90 degree weather if you're in cold water temperatures for extended periods of time. So those are all things. Make sure you're you're prepared for the worst and expect the best. I like you know, it. Yeah, that's a good one. You know, um, well, never mind. My, my brain just went blank. <laughs> I had something really amazing to say <laughs> that was going to just completely highlight exactly what you were trying to say there, Ron. It that happened to me earlier gone. today. I met somebody <laughs> on the trail, and I couldn't remember his name, and I was trying to introduce him, and I'm like totally blank. And I just was hanging out with this person. And it, I mean, it's not like I hadn't seen this person in a while. And it just, <laughs> I could not think of a name to save my life. And fortunately, they introduced themselves, and I was like, God, I feel like such an idiot. But <laughs> the job got done. And then you're like, oh, yeah, no, I know who you are. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> all right I, I remembered real quick because this is actually it was funny the, so getting ready for this last weekend i was going up with uh my dad and my brother in harlan and i i made some comments like you know i've been stressed out you know trying to get ready for this weekend blah 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 and don't you just hate it when you you think you got everything and it's last minute and yeah you just forgot that one thing and he goes no I said yeah you know what it's like don't you and he goes no i don't know what it's like I'm like, you're so full of crap. It's like, no, I don't know what it's like. And he, and he made the point of, do you know how many checklists I have? Do you know how many different things? Do you know how long I plan to like to make sure I don't forget any of that stuff? So it's just, I mean, another tool for that, right, Ron, is a checklist yeah, just to make sure, sure that you can you don't forget any of those things too. So yeah. that's what it was. And Mike's good about this. Uh, you know, put your checklist on your phone so you, you're not going to misplace yep. it. It's always there in your memos. Yeah, and on that one podcast, I was like keeping notes for next year that would make it better, you know. So if you just want to make your trip better, just add those notes right when you're thinking about it. Because if you, I I was prior to my phone, I would be like, oh, I'll remember. You don't remember. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. Do you guys have anything else to add tonight? It's been a good catch-up episode. Yeah. No, I like it. Um, I don't. Just get back to us with information or uh, if you guys email us and just let us know if uh, trips or if you're interested in the trips or if you're interested in an intensive video session or anything more about the Austin stuff. We'll put all that stuff on the website so you'll learn more and more as it gets closer. Thank you all for listening to another episode of Wild and Exposed podcast. Oh, you got to do a better one. I'm kidding. <laughs> Thanks for listening to another episode of Wild and Exposed. Please check out our content on our Instagram page. Visit the website. Find some old episodes that you haven't listened to before. And make sure that you shoot us a message. Let us know what we can do better. Or guests that you might like to hear on the podcast. Cue the music. Until next time. I can't because I, I already said that. You've been listening to the Wild and Exposed podcast. If you haven't yet, please give us a rating and a review. And make sure you're subscribed so that you'll get every episode we produce as soon as we drop it. And as always, thanks for tuning in. We're gonna make it someday. Nothing's gonna get in our way. We will be the biggest band in town.